The Perth Football Podcast is proudly brought to you by Macron Store Perth, an industry leader in quality teamwear specialising in grassroots, semi-pro and professional team attire. Visit the Macron Sports Hub Perth Facebook page for more. Thank you to Macron for helping us keep the pod running and for their continuous involvement in community sport. Tales told of battles one of things we've done. Caligula would grin. The Red Star reign of terror has been resigned to recent memory as Ben Anderson's resurgent NTC Rebels rally to a 2-0 result against the reigning women's NPL champs. While we have new floodlights at Kingsway, a new pavilion at Sorrento, but it's the same old story as far as Daryl Nichols concerned. Maybe Sorrento President Nico Hoyle has a way to knock him down a peg. Find out about that and more on this episode of the Perth Football Podcast. And here we are for episode number... How many is it now, Kalichi? I've stopped counting, mate. We don't have yeah, to count we're season past two. counting. We're past counting. It's that many. We are... Coming at you from the Hush Connected, beautiful studios here at Vic Park. If you want to record your own podcast, uh, this is the place to be. Uh, we have the greatest man, Josh Giant. How you doing, Sean? I feel very tired at the moment. I'll be the tiredest man. Well. I'll see. I'll see. You've I'm got tired. no right to be tired after you hear about all the work Tommy's been doing, mate. Yeah. Well, we do have the uh, well the. Greatest worker. He might not be the greatest man, but this man puts in the yards. Tommy Dolman, how are you after all that work over you the weekend? You call him a company stooge, Sean. Uh, yes, I am. Hi, Sean. That's a, um, that's a backhanded compliment if ever I've heard <laughs> they weren't They weren't my words, but I'll use them. Company stooge. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right, yeah. Hanging in there. <laughs> uh, from one company stooge to another, I think it's fair to say. Kalichi Osunwa, producer Kalichi. I am a company man, Sean. Yeah, thank oh, you for good. joining us. And thank you for joining us wherever you are. Putting us in your ear holes. Maybe you're just, uh, maybe you've just got us on in the car. Maybe you're, or, or on the, the Wonder Boom, uh, the little Bluetooth uh, microphone while you're making dinner. What else could someone be doing while they're listening to the Perth Football Podcast? Shower, mate. Shower. Could be in the shower. <laughs> I don't want to think about that with our uh, clientele of, of listeners. Um, but anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Thanks, Kalichi. Thanks for putting that in all of our minds. Uh, Tommy, we are going to start with an opening question in the light of the NTC taking that cloak of invincibility from Perth Red Star. We did say that it already happened in the night series, but um, apparently they were clinging on to that. Hey, it didn't happen in 90 minutes. It has now. They are no longer invincible. So, Tommy, if you had a superpower... Would it be invincibility or would you choose something else? Uh, that would be the one that springs to mind. But the other one I think which would be cool would be to maybe be able to predict maybe what's going to happen 60 seconds into the future. So a bit of like, isn't there like a Justin Timberlake movie about that or something? Force, foresight maybe? Is that is that what it's called? Oh, maybe know. it's... No, I'm thinking of In Time as a, a, a JT movie that I think was pretty bad. Josh, what would your superpower be? Oh, this is like a dating app prompt, right? I feel like I draw. Just share people ask on that, dating apps. I'm not on the dating apps anymore, mate. I've, uh, no, no, I've been long gone. So this is just a question I'm asking you. you I'm not, come, I'm this not, is an original one. You've, you've you're not trying to get into Josh's pants. This, huh? I'm not trying to get in your pants. I'm just asking you what your superpower would be. And if there are any listeners that are more interested in Josh after they no, please um, don't. Hear, hear his answer, then please maybe they can get For the love touch. of God, send it's, us an email and let no, Send us a dating resume to the podcast. Josh, come on. I... I was thinking about this before. I uh, I hate the time it takes. Uh, I love cooking, but I hate the time it takes to prepare everything. So I'd want to be like, you know, those anime, anime characters who are just like insanely good at things and, it, and it's like not remotely realistic. I would be able to just, I'd be like a level chef, be able to just whip shit up in like 
10, 10 but, minutes. But you don't want to actually study to be a chef. So you want to... Yeah, no, I want to, I want to take every shortcut in the book by becoming an, an anime character, basically. Okay, so he just wants to be an anime character. Well, not any anime character. Just something I'm interested in. Trust you to make a pretty simple this question. This is why the dating apps really suck. weird. Yeah. <laughs> but if you were interested, uh, Perth Football <laughs> Podcast on Facebook. So, yep, send us your profile and we'll see if Josh is uh, keen to get back to you. But Kalichi. No one's doing that. Uh, easy one for me, so man. I'd, I'd like to be able to communicate with anybody. So if I could like be able to hear you talk and then translate it and understand you or speak Can language. Can we not do that now? No, but just like languages. So I just have to like, I'd instantly be able to communicate with Universal anybody. translator. Yeah, universal translator. You want a universal translator like of Star Trek. Dope. Nice. Yeah, you are a nerd. Never seen Star Trek, um, sure. I would uh, go with teleportation, I think. I can't believe no one's gone teleportation. Get on a holo. But I want the teleportation where you can, uh, like you could take someone with you. So that that's my little stipulation there. So it's like so if like I wanted to Admiral. go on a, if I wanted to go on a holiday with Maddie and we wanted to go to Coral Bay, it, well, why did I pick Coral Bay? <laughs> I can go anywhere in the world. <laughs> pick somewhere we can drive. We want to go to Venice. We can click our fingers and we're in Venice. Wouldn't that be like flying's pretty shit, isn't it? No one really enjoys that. Maybe I'm the only one. Maybe I'm the only one that doesn't enjoy flying. That's a bit weird. Anyway, let's move on to the football action. We uh, broached the topic uh, of that invincible to the team that's vincible now they, they weren't they were impeccable last season for a while then they got pecked now they've been vinced uh tommy tell us how it happened uh it happened uh because hyundai ntc uh defeated perth red star by two goals to nil and they fully deserved their win they were outstanding throughout the whole 90 minutes and it was a performance built on superb ball retention and magnificent work rate i was um obviously doing the game and Kalichi came on watch next to me and, and we were just marvelling at the work rate of the midfield duo of Georgia Cassidy and Grace Johnston who felt like they were absolutely everywhere on the day and it was a warm afternoon as well and um, it was interesting. I think one of the big moves of the game was actually Ben Anderson making a triple change at half-time because that really gave um, NTC some sort of additional impetus at the beginning of that second half when perhaps they... I may have taken a little bit of time to get started again, um, obviously, given it was a warm afternoon. So, um, yeah, it was it was a really strong performance. Um, Red Star's best chance came in the second half when Sarah Carroll was through on goal and, and Lily Bailey pulled off a good save with her foot. Um, but really, it was it was goals from Lala and, um, and then a late penalty from Georgia Cassidy, which got the job done. And, and like I said, it deserved three points. I was particularly impressed by... Um... Cassidy's work rate defensively as well like we we know her prowess on the ball in terms of taking the ball in tight areas good turns and her passing range left foot and right foot but there were so many sequences where she'd be the first person out to press stop a pass and then press the next person and stop a tackle or or, or do a tackle or do a block and the amount of times where she was on the touchline then back in the midfield yeah she's a wild footballer to watch do you do you think Tommy that that uh you mentioned Johnston and Cassidy do you think those two have, have taken that upper level to, to the point where they can can run the midfield week after week in, their, in, in the NPL? Absolutely. Well, they were doing it in some games last season. Um, it, it could be argued. And, and they're obviously an, a year older, extra yeah. years of experience. It's just that consistency the they really needed, wasn't it? Yeah. And I think that the biggest testament as well that I could probably add in addition to that, which is also a good sign of work, right, was that if there was a sort of ball in dispute in the middle of the pitch or a 50-50 to be won, it just felt that NTC had a two-on-one every time or a three-on-two. They just seemed to have that extra number at the fall of every um, header down or, or every clearance. And 
obviously we know how good they are at playing out from the back and, and being able to sort of rotate those passes through midfield to sort of create the extra and and make their charge upfield. I thought Brooking was very good for them in transition as well when she came off the bench in the second half, um, just to get them sort of upfield and, and keep them away from that Red Star goal. So, yeah, it was it was very impressive for Ben Anderson's team, that's for sure. And, um, yeah, they're definitely going to be one team that we're all going to be looking forward to seeing going forward, I'm sure. And, look, Tommy, a word on Red Star's midfield. Obviously, it's hard to, to replace Shawnee Billum and, and not have Bennett in the midfield there as well and look like at some points Jay Coleman doing her best but was a little bit isolated but there was a late late substitution sorry not a late substitution but there was a uh, the ITC clearance didn't get didn't come through for one of the Japanese imports for Red Star which would have maybe made a bit of a difference in terms of giving that midfield a little bit more bite Correct yeah and uh, that, that was Raina Kagami who got the second in the night series final last week and also Olivia Wood is away with the um, with the Australian schoolgirls as well, so she's going to miss for a couple of weeks as well in the midfield. So um, it, it was an I wouldn't say it was a depleted Red Star team because we know a lot of the names. Um, Sarah Carroll was stepped stepped into midfield, um, but they obviously have the likes of Grace Montero. I thought Emily Dunn had a really good game. Um, she had a lot, she had a lot to deal with and and did most of it really well. Um, but it was just on the day they came up against an NTC team who who fought really hard and worked hard for every ball and um, and, and yeah, like I said, the work rate and and then the ability to really punish Red Star and, and keep the ball and, and and look good on the transition um, set up the win. And just a word on Tanika Lala. I mean, if you see the highlights in that second goal where she does a bit of a Cruyff turn, but is too powerful, too strong to to get in front of the next defender, and she had she had a couple of chances where she could have probably scored two or three in this game as well. Yeah, she was magnificent. She obviously got the first, and then uh, she got the first. Um, just um, wasn't wasn't just the the fact that she was running off the last defender, but she she forced the turnover in midfield. She she um, sort of was really uh, in the face of Texera and nicking the ball, and then that allowed her driving on goal and score past Diedrichsen. Um Diedrichsen equaled her with a with a save of her own later on from a similar situation, but. Yeah, Lala was just a threat all afternoon and, and a little bit like Johnston and Cassidy. She's she very much off the mark um, with her first goal of the year. She then turned to win that penalty for the second goal. And like you said, it was a great turn. I actually thought that the ball would escape her and that it was just going to run through the goalkeeper. But she's also got that burst of pace which helped to get there. So, yeah, super impressive. She looks like she's going to take another step this year as well. And with no Larissa Walsh in the league, um, you never know. She could go on and win the Golden Boot early mm. days yet, obviously. Yeah, I, I think now you, you've got to look at that NTC team uh, after that game. I know it's only one result, but there's a, a few players that have now been together for a few years. Uh, you, you, you're saying that uh, the likes of uh, Johnson and Cassidy are, are stepping at upper level, perhaps. And if Lala steps at upper level as well, they're going to be a very, very dangerous team. Uh, moving on from... Two, uh, well, two teams, I guess, who we expect to be up at the top now, particularly after that result uh, from the NTC perspective, to a team that we don't expect to be challenging for anything, um, potentially ever. Uh, the, well, I, I don't even know where to start um, with Curtin, uh, who got beat, was it eight, nine? Nine. Balcatta, so nine, uh, I think they've lost a game's 14-0 in the preseason, 9-0, 8-0, uh, now opening the season regular with uh, another nine nil. What I don't know. I don't know where we start with this, guys. It it just it just can't be good for for any league to have one team that gets eight or nine or ten put past them, and perhaps the only reason that there uh, that those games matter is potentially goal difference. 
Well, the, there's nine nil losses and then there's nine nil losses, right? So when everyone's think, walking at the end, yeah. yeah. So I think Subiaco lost one or two games last year where, where they just got monstered by Perth Red Star because that Red Star team was sensational. And you know, you can have a game where uh, in the Premier League where a team loses eight or nine nil doesn't happen very often. Seven nil Manchester United. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course you're going to get that one in, but the uh, but 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 a couple of the goals you just go back and watch them and. You know, the quality of the football's really poor as Turgid. well. Yeah, I, I just, it, it cannot be good for any league to have a team quite by any metric this far off the pace, this much worse than all other seven teams in the league. I, I, it's not good for any of the players. It can't be good for the club. I, I don't know what yeah, the solution that's, that's is. The, but that's the tough one, though, because, I mean, speaking to some people at Curtin, they said that they made huge efforts to try to get players in um, in terms of the recruitment push. They had advertisements out there. Say what you want about advertising in the top league and, and how it's done because a lot of teams don't necessarily do that. They do that when they are in trouble. So maybe that's the biggest thing that we get in the first place. But it's it's tough to follow up a season where last year you didn't win a game and then try to get players to stay or try to get players who want to join in. So well, will, will they score? Like they might not win a game. Will they even score a goal? No, no. And and look, I, for those of you listening, we 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 we're talking about this because we take the female game very very seriously, and this is the exact same level of scrutiny that we'd give the men's game if something like this was happening. So understand that we're we're doing this for the for the love of the game and in terms of making sure that we give the right bit of scrutiny to this game from the women's perspective. And you're right, Sean. Like, looking at it now, there is nothing to suggest from the night series and from these games to suggest that they would score a goal. It's also even a little bit bleak when you think that they are, if, from an economist perspective, as a dork like me... Like He's they always got to bring the economy back. I'm an economist perspective. I'm an economist. They are more incentivized to forfeit games than to play the games and lose 9-0. Right? They're more incentivized to do that. And that's, that's wild. That's, if that's a situation that you are in, in a league season, that's what a good situation but to be the, the, I, only I, hope, think, I think only hope, fixing the rules for that. The only hope that I know is that they are looking at bringing in some import players, um, some overseas players and some semi-professional players. And if they can get those three, four or five players in, then we might be looking at something different. So that's the only hope. Well, they, well they need bodies, right? They need bodies. They need, they need bodies. They need players, they need, not just bodies. They good, They've got bodies right now. Players. They need players. There was 11 bodies out there on the weekend and there has been for every game so far, as far as I'm aware. I just, at some point it also calls in sporting integrity into question, like the integrity of the league. When if you get to play this team... Uh, you know, at a good time of the season where like maybe you get to play them before a cup final and you can rest your whole team and play your reserves. And, and you, you know what I mean? I, I just don't. But it called integrity into the into the night series, right? Because the NTC went in that game being told if you score more than 10 goals and you'll get in. Yeah. And Whereas and if you played them first, you don't know. You don't, you don't yeah. know that you need to score more than 10 goals. And then whoever plays them on the last day of the season, it might be Red Star NTC tied for the league. Uh, but Red Star know if they win by 17 goals, which normally you wouldn't get in round one. Uh, there's no, there's no reason why they couldn't put yeah. 17 past them if they're going for a league. Which it just, it, it just makes a, sh it really makes a shambles of the I, league. I, I think, I think the other question that um, you, get, you then get people asking, and I don't think this is necessarily the case, but then you get people asking about, you know, is the depth there for an eight-team league? Is is the depth there for, uh, you know, a top-level competition in WA? Which is not something that we believe, but it exposes yourself to questions of that nature. Speak, speaking of the exposure, right? I think the, the worst part about this is we've got women who are terrific in this league, right? And they want to get exposure and they want to get a chance to play over East or maybe play for Perth Glory. 
And if you go and score 45 goals in a league season now and someone's looking at it and going, well, look, you've scored seven against one team and then seven against them again, how good of a striker are you and how strong is your league? And that could mm. be detrimental to players if they're trying to get a big move elsewhere. So, again, all we can hope is that from what we understand that they're looking at getting different players in um, and hope that they get those players and they give them opportunity to be more competitive. Look, I, I know Tommy's a man to always be positive, so I'm not even going to ask you to weigh in on this unless you particularly mm -hmm. want to, Tommy, but you can um, go on to uh, talking about Perth. They looked uh, pretty smooth. Uh, can I just talk about Balcata quickly? Because they were the team that did win. Okay, um, yes, absolutely. They... Um, we, we'll talk about the we'll, the three of us will talk about the team that lost uh, nine 0 and you can talk about the winners because <laughs> endlessly optimistic. <laughs> Go on, Tommy. Sorry. The, the, the story um, that, that we sort of are close to, obviously, is, is obviously seeing Tia return. I interviewed her during the week, and it was great to see her get back on the score sheet. And I know it was a moment that was um, going to be very special to her because she did um, get that sort of first goal for Balcata having spoken to us. So congratulations to her. Um, she's forming a nice little partnership with Monique Prinzel. I know it's very early days, um, but those two have got some real potential just with the way that Tia likes to sort of uh, maybe peel out wide, play a little bit more freely, come to the ball, get more involved in the play. And, and, and Monique Prinzel likes to sort of be in the box and, and be that penalty area striker. So I think there's a lot of potential. Big shout out to the celebration as well for the fourth or fifth goal, a little mini goal for, uh, Ode. Oh, I lovely. I'll have you, to go check that go out. Check that out on, on Streamy. Yeah. I did post it to uh, the group. And also, one last point um, the other return that they did have is uh, Kimberly McCartney, who missed the majority of last season injured. She's a player who can play just about any position on the park. And yeah. um, she's going to be used in midfield this year for Balcata. And I think she's a little sly under the radar addition that's going to be really good and really important for Balcata if they aren't there. Make the top four for the first time in the um, in the NPL women's era. Yeah, I'll just uh, echo your uh, comments on Tia. Absolutely fantastic to have her back. Um, we're we're big big fans of her, and uh, yeah, it's it's a breath of fresh air to to have her back in the league. Uh, Kalichi. Yeah, we we also got permission to to say this, but she obviously had a really a tough week last week with with a with an incident that happened, and we're just absolutely just happy that it wasn't as bad as it potentially could have been. So to see her back playing um, is, is just a joy for all of us as big fans. And if you noticed, her new number is number 24, taking on that Mamba mentality. Um, and yeah, ho Explain. hopefully 24, Kobe Bryant. Uh, yeah, so she took on, got a, got a new number of the Mamba Mentality. Kobe Bryant could walk into this room and punch me in the face and I'd say, why is this random man walking in? There is no me? chance that would happen. You'd look at that dead man and be like, yeah. He wouldn't fit in the yeah. booth, so I'm safe. Sean, Sean's missed uh, a couple years worth of Tommy, years Tommy, we've got to move on to uh, the parts two and three. We've got Nico Hall joining us in a moment, but can you give us a quick wrap-up of the other two games? Uh, so probably obviously nice to have finished Perth. Uh, had a... 4-0 win against Subiaco, four goal scorers, individual goal scorers. So um, that'll give them plenty of confidence. It was Lamont, Crane, Duncanson and Meekin. So four of their usual suspects. players. That's a quite yeah, a team. A couple of really nice goals as well. A solo strike from, from Crane, a lovely volley from um, Duncanson after a, a good team move. And then I suppose the other result, which caught a few of us off guard, it certainly did in our, in our tips, which I don't want to reference too many more times, but um, here we go. We'll, we'll get on to um, that. Fremantle, one Murdoch University, Melbourne, two. A couple of goals for Sophie Meaden, who was with uh, the NTC last year. 
And um, yeah, they went two 0 up, and and they looked um, they looked pretty good. They're, they're obviously going to be a very young team again. They're led by Charlie Wainwright, who's been um, one of the most underrated players in the in the league for me for the last few years. And yeah, I don't know whether it was um, just a bad day at the office for Fremantle or not, but they've got plenty of talent in that team, and and they were only really able to claw themselves back into the game late on when Michaela Lyons pulled one back. So. I think we'll find out next week um, from Fremantle whether that was just a blip or not. Um, but obviously, they've got a very talented squad and there's going to be a little bit of expectation on them to, to bounce back quickly. I watched a little bit of that game back uh, the other day. And if you, you look at the control in the midfield that mum had and all came from Clara Harrell, who yeah. is stepping up from the junior MPL system with them. And, and I've coached against her as well in the junior MPL system. And she hangs with the boys just as well as she does with the women. Uh, and she's a massive in for them if they can get her, get her playing more football for the, the MPL women's setup this year. She can actually really step in and take the spot of some of the players that have left. Isn't that what happened last year where she couldn't play some of the games because she was playing in the men's team? Uh, not, yeah, not men's, boys. boys teams, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know what the, the situation was there, but she's obviously had a big impact when she's played and getting a player who's you know, dominating already in, in boys' MPL in, uh, would have been uh, under-15s last year, getting them in into the MPL women's competition. That's a, you know, a big fillip for a team when, when you may have a lot of players who haven't been exposed to that level of physical competition before. Well, we've got to move on and uh, kick you out of the booth here, Josh, because Nico Hoyle is uh, standing there prowling uh, and he waits for no man. So um, we're going to kick you out. Uh, Tommy, you've got to uh, leave for 15 minutes for a little errand, you're telling me. So we'll get you back for part three. Um, but uh, thank you for joining us, Josh. And uh, we'll be back with Nico Hoyle in part two after this. And we are back with part two, as promised, with very special guest, Sorrento President Nico Hoyle. Thank you so much for giving up your Monday night and coming in with us, mate. Thanks for having me, gents. Any time. Look, we've got a lot to talk about uh, with your new reign of terror uh, at Sorrento. <laughs> um, but before we do, uh, in light of the Perth Red Star ladies losing their invincibility uh, over the weekend, their long-held invincibility of over a season... Um, longer or shorter, depending on whether losing on penalties counts, but that's a, uh, an argument that we've already had. Um, so in that uh, vein, superpowers, if you could have one, what would it be? Is you could have invinci- invisibility, invincibility, of course. You'd probably get bored Super after speed. all your friends and family and the rest of the oh. human race has died, which is why mm. I wouldn't pick that one. But yeah, take your pick. Oh, we'll keep it football related. And um, I'll probably give a shot to... Uh, Let's try a bit of witchcraft. Okay. And so, potentially other teams. So very, you've gone very sinister with it mm, very right sinister. off the bat. Okay. So, so are we talking like proper voodoo style? So you'd make up a little uh, doll of Daryl Nickel and put some pins in his knees or something? Is, is that what you're talking about here? Absolutely correct. Okay. Yep. All right. We've gone real um, sinister. Daryl, if you feel sore tomorrow morning, you know exactly what's happening. I tell you what, yeah. If, yeah. if Daryl does go down with, uh, with any sort of injuries towards, uh, yeah, well, in the next couple of weeks, I think we'll know. Um, that uh, Nico's got the witchcraft book. Yeah, you out. know, you'll know Saturday <laughs> afternoon when he's when he's at Percy Doyle. Yeah, oh absolutely. dear. Well, of course, of course, we all wish nothing but but the best for no, Daryl this absolutely. season. Um, we we need that on the record. Um, <laughs> we can say whatever we want off the record, but you guys won't hear that. Uh, look, we have got you in here to to mm. talk uh, the men's MPL and Sorrento in particular. Uh, but give us a bit of a background and 
Western Australian football for you. I know you've uh, done, done a bit of refereeing and now you're in the, the president's hot seat. Just give us that, that journey. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I spent the last, uh, you could say, 13 years refereeing, took a few years off and came back to my boyhood boyhood club in Sorrento. And, um, yeah, and obviously the probably the last six months taken over the presidency from from Derek Hanwell, who, who had been there for the last 12 years. So it's been a bit of a, oh, I should say, a big shift at the club at the moment. Which has been, uh, yeah, it's been good. It's been challenging. It's been, in, um, and we've got a lot of uh, improvement to come. And um, yeah, I look forward to the challenge ahead as well. That's a really key difference, right, from being a referee to being a club president. But I'm sure there's some similarities in between the two. What are the differences that you've noticed, and the similarities that you've probably noticed as well, being a going from refereeing to being a club president? Well, being a club president is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Being a referee is for 90 minutes a week. So. Um, you're still managing individuals and managing people and be like, Eric, calm down, settle down. It's not a free kick. Let's keep playing on. Definitely. But that's part of the, what I love and what I enjoy. And that's where I get the buzz out of. And do you, uh, are are you now much more sympathetic to referees now that, no, no, definitely not. (laughs) Okay, good. Let's talk about the red card in, uh, Perth glory Armadale then before we move on to Sorrento. We had a very interesting, uh, naughty boy. Uh, in fact, uh, hit, hit, hit the, uh, hit the button there for me, Kalichi. Or, or girl. Uh, this time, it was a boy. One of the young boys, Perth Glory. We were going to get into this in part three, but since you've got onto your um, your referee, actual referee. And how quick is that? I just tell Kaliji hit the button and he's on it, and he's got uh, got the naughty boy segment all teed up and ready. Uh, now, this one's a really is is an interesting one. It's a tough one. Uh, because what's basically happened, I'm not sure. Did you know that? Who, who was the player? We don't, don't know, know the player. That's because we no. don't do any preparation for this. Um, <laughs> but 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 the young the young kids on the other side of the pitch, um, he is obviously under the new rules. Uh, players are instructed to leave on the near touchline. This is probably something that players should know as well now. Um, but there are so many rules and so many rule changes from season to season that it it's very hard for the players to know all the rules. In that case, you need the referee to know the rules, which uh, Josh Nixon was a referee, and he obviously did uh, know the rule, was that the player must go off at the, the near side. But the way the, the player's jogged off the pitch, he's, he's head straight down. He's right on halfway. And he's just made a beeline for the bench, and, and then Josh has noticed he's not going off on the right side and of the he's pitch. he's blown the whistle. So he gives the whistle a little blow, but he was just short of halfway at this point. Um, and, and then he's got his back to him now as and, well, and so then we can't I, see Josh. And it looked like an honest yes. mistake. It did not look like he was ignoring the referee. It, he was obviously not time wasting because he was had a Actually, had a decent head of steam up. Um, and then yeah, second blow of the whistle. You're not listening to me. Have a second yellow card. By felt this very, time, felt very Cartman. Respect my authority. But by, by, by <laughs> this time, he's he's almost he's ten yards from the from the bench. Mm. It's it's a harsh one, isn't it? But what, what what's obviously I have a lot of sympathy for the player, but I have sympathy for the referee as well because these these are tough situations. You've seen the incident because we we watched it just before. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, in, in all jokes aside, I'm never too critical of referees. Just remember, he might referee you. Uh, it's coming up, so yeah, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. No, great decision. No, um, I'm, I'm never too critical of of referees. Um, having watched that, I'm sure. Josh would be able to tell you it was probably a, a tad harsh. I don't think he realised he was already booked. 
as well. And mm. I think that's maybe, you know, I think if he had known he was booked, he perhaps would have managed it a little bit differently. I definitely don't think he did because you could hear Jono no. on the uh, on the touchline saying he's already booked, he's already booked. No. And, and if you give John O'Reilly uh, yeah, an inch, he's going to take a mile. He's so, take yeah. Them. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I, look, I, I think it probably could have been managed a, a little bit better. I'm sure Josh would probably admit that. Um, but, yeah, it's yeah, it probably looked a bit harsh. It was a it? toughie. But, anyway, he was our one naughty boy of the weekend. It, it might be harsh, but just like uh, when I got told off for talking too much in science class and had to go sit in the corner, sometimes mm. you feel like it's a bit harsh, but you've got to accept your But punishment. lesson learned, and he'll probably never do it again. He'll probably hey, just go, you go over the touchline. Yep, so. Exactly. Absolutely. All right. Anyway, let's move to Sorrento because that's why you are here. Uh, there's been obviously a lot of change with you coming in. Yeah, speaking uh, of touchline, there's someone. Yeah, new uh, coach on the touchline. Um, yeah, tell us about that. The the ousting of uh, of Trevor Morgan, and then um, the uh, obviously it's a tough decision to make, especially when it's so early into the preseason, but. Um, you've seen the first game that's happened with Steve McGarry taking over and you've kind of seen the lift that's happened there. So give us your idea of the, the, the thought process or whatever you can really tell us on that, on that decision as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Trevor was a, he's been a great part of the, the football club for, for many, many years. Um, and, you know, for me, um, you know, the, the Sorrento board, we felt it was probably never the right time, but at this point it was probably the worst right time, you could say, um, in making a move. And, um, you know, we, we certainly didn't speak to any coaches prior to um, Trevor departing the club. Um, we, we got, yeah, too much respect for Trevor to do that. Um, but we've, we felt that, you know, to, for the club to move forward, uh, for the team to move forward, we want to um, aim to the top. And, um, yeah, we, we felt that Steve was the right person to move forward. You definitely it. see teams around the world. Um, I can't think of any MPL examples exactly, but that that hang on to that manager for, for a little bit too long. Uh, and then it, it must be so hard to make that judgment call, but because you, you've seen clubs like uh, the, the biggest example that jumps to my mind is, is uh, Southampton when who was the, um, the coach that they had that brought them up and they sacked him. Oh, um, I want to say Nigel Atkins. That was the one, they, yeah. the, the Nigel Atkins sacking. And it seems so harsh for everyone um, comprehend really. yeah, yeah yeah but then but then, then Mauricio Pochettino comes in and, and, like, and then oh they go and so so sometimes you you have to be proactive in those decisions and not wait for it to be a complete disaster because if you you know Aston Villa is a good example probably stuck by Steven mm. Gerrard for too long this season and now are, are in more trouble than they needed to be if maybe they pulled the trigger a little bit early so so was that part of your thinking is we, we don't want this to 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 melt down but were there signs of cracks or what what were the issues yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to get into too much in, in terms of the cracks, but, you know, uh, we felt that, um, you know, we needed a bit of a clean slate, potentially. Um, and, you know, looking at Steve and the professionalism he's just brought to the football club, um, it's a, he's brought just a bag of energy, to be honest, and it's it's quite refreshing to see. Um, the players are buzzing and, and responding really well, but it's not so much that a players, it's it's also, we've got to look at the, the coaching throughout the whole club setup, you know, from our juniors right to the top and um, the coaching development he can bring to our, to our junior coaches, to our senior coaches. He's just more than just a first-team coach and, and that's what Steve McGarry brings to our club. It, it, it does feel, sorry, Kalichi, it does feel a lot like that Southampton example where last season was good. I think, like, obviously, I don't think anyone's saying it was a poor season for Sorrento. It was a, it was a successful season. They were, they were 20 minutes away from playing the top, court, top four cup uh, final. Absolutely, yeah. and, and I think that, even missing out on that, I think you'd say the season was a success overall. And then, and then to go, okay, 
now we want to take that next step. And you've obviously identified Steve as, as the man that can take that next step and, and go, okay, now we're competitive. Let's, let's win some trophies. What about Steve makes you think that, that that can be the man to take you onto that next level? Yeah. I mean, you, you, he's just come out of a professional setup really, hasn't he? So, um, and, and we've seen it, you know, that our first chat with Steve, um, you know, we, we were actually, we were actually blown away by, by some of the stuff he, he had to us. He had already gone back within the day and, and watched games within the night series, um, just brought up, you know, just his preparation is second to none. And um, it's exactly what's going to take us um, to the next level. You mentioned his enthusiasm and I've been yeah. lucky to play against him, but also have been around him when he's, um, when he was coaching kids or, or having his kids in there. And he's just got this real positive energy that you really buy into and you really want to be around. So what's the dressing room look like now? What's the club look like now? Obviously, you had that big result against Bayswater um, to start the season off in the right way and not necessarily the best result um, last mm. week. But I'm, I'm sure the players must be buzzing as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's demanding a lot from us as a football club as well. And um, I low-key love that um, because it shows that, you know, he wants to strive. He wants to get to the top and, and, and we're on the same page with that. So if he's demanding, you know, things from us, then we're, we're going to demand it back. And um, that's exactly why it's, uh, you know, it's been a really, really strong start, good start. And um, yeah, the boys are buzzing. Well, we're going to get Mr. Football uh, Tommy Dolman on the line soon to go through the rest of the men's action. But since you're here, let's start with Sorrento v Perth on the weekend. Obviously, season got off to an absolutely perfect start um, uh, on that Friday night, uh, <laughs> that night that will always be known as uh, the night of uh, the great Gustavo. Uh, but uh, a little bump in the road against Perth, pretty even um, match from yeah, by all metrics and everything that I've seen. But what was your takeaway from that game? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was very humid conditions. Uh, it was hot. Um, that's not to take anything away from Perth. I think it was a pretty even game. I probably feel a draw was probably an even result, to be honest. But, I mean, you've got players here that have now come in within three weeks. They're playing in a new system. Yeah. You know, so it, you can't really come in and, and expect results every every single week. You know, three weeks ago, like I said, they're playing a different system and now they're playing a whole like I said, different system now. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's going to be challenges ahead. The challenges are going to await us. Um, and it's it's important that we don't get ahead of ourselves. I got another question. Is it just a little bit off, off track here? Uh, any any truth to the rumours that with, obviously, um, coming... Just rumour, <laughs> I love just, it always. Can I just ask my question, it's please? Just Mungo. always wants I, the hot snippet. He's got the camera on now. Any, he needs any truth to the rumours that, obviously... Why are those rumours away? Yeah. You've, got, you've got Dean Cummings as captain. You've got Steve McGarry as, as coach. Influential people from up north. Sorrento is also up north beyond the wall as well. <laughs> Any truth of the river, you're getting a new away kit with uh, some tartan colours and a... <laughs> some a black little, and white. Yeah. yeah or, or, or with a, or with a St. Andrew's <laughs> cross on there as well. Oh, now that you've probably... If Steve <laughs> listens to this, I'm probably going to get a message to say our away kit next year is going to be black and white. Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you what, if we get three points every time we play away with that kit, I'm all for it. Done. Doesn't matter. Yeah, maybe rub it with some voodoo uh, magic or something. <laughs> yeah, before you. Yep. yeah, now we're talking. All right. Well, um, we're going to uh, get the, well, not the greatest man. We've already uh, uh, we've already had a taste of him. We're going to get Mr. Football, Tommy Dolman, uh, on the line um, after this. So uh, we're going to take a quick break and be back with part three and dive into the rest of the MPL men's action this weekend. You can't keep me quiet, Kalichi. We're back for part Three and joining us uh, on the line back from uh, his his little break, uh, 
Tommy Dolman, Mr. Football, uh, the voice of football. He's uh, a wonderful man. Tommy, thank you again for joining us. No problem, guys. Thank you. Tommy, uh, really quickly, how much time do you have on your hands, mate? Because you've done a wrap-up for the Women's League. You've done a wrap-up for the State League. You've done a wrap-up for the NPL. Do you sleep at all on the weekends? Uh, I went to bed just before midnight last night. so That's reasonable. <laughs> you... So, yeah, and then I was up at six. So, yeah, but that's all right. We, we muddle on through. All right, well, Tommy, we are on to the men's NPL. Where did you disappear to for the last 15 minutes, by the way, while we were talking to Nico? Uh, I actually actually drive home from work. So there you go. Ah, okay. Well, uh, Nico Hoyle is here. Uh, I haven't introduced you yet. I did off air, but um, yeah, you might as well say hello on air as well. Hey again, Nico. Hello, Tommy. How are you, mate? Um, I'm good. I gave you a different uh, superlative last time, but... I'm going to have to yeah, tell him, aren't no I, Kalechi? <laughs> Tommy, sorry, you're not good. You're well. Superman does good. Yeah. So you're doing well. <laughs> Superman does good. <laughs> Um, anyway, I think that's what Nico was asking. Maybe he was asking if you are a power for good. And I think everyone can agree Tommy Dolman is a power for good in mm. football in Western Australia because he covers everything, as Kalichi just alluded to. And on the weekend, he was down at Balcatta, Etna 2, Inglewood United 1. I've read them around the wrong way. It was at Inglewood. But uh, give us a little wrap-up of that one, Tommy. Yeah, I suppose I was keen to go down and check out Balcatta mainly. Uh, we'd obviously seen how well Inglewood did in the night series going to the final. Um, the only time we really got to saw Balcatta was the very first game, and um, they, they they lost that one quite heavily. I think they were outplayed pretty comprehensively by Sterling 3-1 from memory, but there was big improvements um, from what myself and Josh saw on Saturday. Um, the experienced boys of, of, of Adam Tong and, and Trent Kay really sort of um, providing that base at the back. Um, the, the Hudson boys um, who, who came over with Glenn Grostate from Quinns just provide so much energy down the flanks. And in, um, in Katara Yamamoto, their um, off-season recruit, the Japanese forward, um, he's a player that's going to cause teams a lot of problems this year. He, he had three or four chances earlier in the game where um, he, he probably should have at least hit the back of the net with one of them. But Alex Dunn, to his credit, made plenty of good saves. Um, and Yamamoto eventually pinched the balls, uh, pinched the ball. Sorry, off Chris Tilson. Careful! And uh, you got the, uh, the and, you and, got the expletive button there, Kalichi. Not for this one, mate. This and, one's staying in. And um, yeah, he he, he went <laughs> score with three minutes left, and um, and yeah, Balcada um, and got the win. And we got. <laughs> sorry, well. sorry, Tommy. Thank you for the podcast title, by the way. It's um, Kalichi has to stew over these for hours, and now he's just got pinched the balls. It's perfect, um, but. Look how good, look how, watch this, Nico. Tommy is so unflappable. I'll just throw it back to him and he's just going to carry on like nothing's happened. Take, keep, keep going, Tommy. Resume. No, that was essentially it, really. Um, <laughs> just that had a fully deserved their win. They were, they were the better team on the day. And aside from a, a fairly bright start from Inglewood, which, um, had a, which, in which they had a bit of territory, but didn't really create many, much in the way of clear cut chances. Domfe was quiet throughout. Even their goal um, wasn't really a, wasn't a clear cut chance, was it? That was a, that was a cracking finish, though. It was a cracking finish. It was a little bit against the run of play, though. So yeah, Inglewood a little bit maybe um, off off colour, which was a bit surprising considering they rallied themselves to come back from two down against Laurie the week before. So um, whether it's whether it's just a, a bit of a once off or or not will will remain to be seen for them. But yeah, Balcada, I was really impressed with them at the weekend and good signs for them. In terms of their shape, Tommy, for Balcada, um, we anticipated that they would play a pretty deep line match, um, low block, and try to catch teams on the counter. Is that what, what happened, or do they have a bit more joy with the ball as well? 
Uh, well, in the game at the weekend, they had a lot of joy off the ball, uh, Kalichi, because, as I mentioned before, they created a lot of chances. Um, Katari Yamamoto, was, his movement was a real feature of the game, not just in those sort of transition moments, but also just in general when, um, with, with the likes of Brent Griffiths um, and Ryan Pearson in the middle of the park. Um, Yamamoto's movement was able to sort of create the space for um, Declan and, and Leo Hudson um, on the flanks and, and obviously for Yamamoto himself. Um, so, yeah, it was it was just a really impressive performance. And we know what um, what Glenn did coming in last season. He sort of brought back uh, quite a lot of experience, a, a couple of trusted players um, from his time with Quinns uh, before that. And, um, yeah, they, they obviously had three wins in the uh, final five matches of last year to stay up, and they've got one in their first two games this year. Well, it sounds very similar to the game we were down at, uh, Kalichi. We were watched uh, Coburn City 2, Bayswater City 1. Um, and, yeah, if Inglewood were, were disappointing against Balcata, uh, Bayswater were... Oh, what's the next one down from disappointing? They were... Very disappointing. Very. That's very good, Kalichi. Well done. <laughs> and, and English is his second language, and he can still come up with gems like that. Uh, they were very disappointing, though, weren't they, Kalichi? Yeah. It was one of those games where they didn't necessarily create a whole lot. Um, and you'd see them try to play out the back every time. But what would happen was they'd play to the centre-back, play across the other centre-back, maybe give it to um, Hargreaves, and then it'd be a long ball down the channel. And as much as you've got pace in terms of um, Sparta and, or, or Sam Dway or, um, or Thibaut Kamara, that's, that's not quite the best bit of build-up play that you've got to, yeah. in terms of looking... They, they, they were looking for that right from the start. Yeah. It, I, I thought it, it, it was one of those where you think, okay... These these guys like to play a high line. They like to step up. We're just going to try and hit them over the top, and it wasn't quite working. They were getting they were getting possession. They, occasionally they were getting possession sort of out near the corner flags, but then it, it's kind of it well now I got into it. Well, and then I got to wait for the troops to 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 arrive, and and just I don't know the shape seemed. It was a little bit there. disappointing because you've got I mean you've got in in, in Gordon Smith and in Dumba McEdge you've got players who were terrific mm. on the ball playing to feet. Um, I'm not sure you maybe you can give us a bit more information on how they played yourselves when you played them last week, but you rarely saw the ball get played into Dumba's feet for him to lay off and then spin or or play to to Smith when he had a bit of space so he could turn. You didn't you didn't necessarily see a lot of that. Um, and then when you when you couple that in with the fact that that that's that that Tommy said, which was I think one clean sheet or one home clean sheet in the last two years, you're going into yeah, games you're going into games knowing that you need to score two goals to win, at least two goals to win. So I'm not too sure about that. Yeah. I just the build up play wasn't the best. And was it the same when, when they played yourselves as well? Yeah, I mean very similar. Um to be honest, I was more focusing on us than them. But um yeah, I mean the Bayswater, I, I don't think there's any doubt it's still early days. You look at their team on paper and it, it's 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 strong. Um, so I think it does feel like it just needs a few tweaks, doesn't it, just to get things going in the right direction? Just yeah, maybe maybe a little formation. Yeah, I mean it's it's or... like it's like anything. You just tweak it a little bit, and what works and what doesn't work. And um, I've got no doubt they'll get it right. I mean, you just like I said, you look at that firepower they've got, and um, but as long as they don't get it right when they play us. I don't, I don't really <laughs> Yeah, mind. don't tell them the secrets uh, on air here. Um, but uh, the other thing that reminded me of, the, of this game, it was who, who was it you were saying for um, for Balcata that was providing all that movement, Tommy? Uh, Yamamoto. Yamamoto. I just didn't want to <laughs> didn't want to pronounce it wrong. Yamamoto. Uh, 
we had a very similar um, uh, forward for Coburn who was causing all sorts of problems. Got himself in about five good goal-scoring opportunities, and that was Raf Gomba. He oh, he could have had a hat trick um, if his finishing boots were on. But but it's it's promising to see him getting in those positions and as a forward as a striker. But he just couldn't take them, and I don't think it's an exaggeration to say this. Even though Bayswater did control portions of the game, they'd have possession, line share possession for maybe five or ten minutes, but. They did not create many chances. And if, you, if you're looking at the balance of play on chances, Coburn could have won by four or five. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. Yeah. I and, mean, they, and they lost by six six goals the week before. Yeah. Bears would have had the ball in places where they weren't going to be really hurtful towards Coburn. And and the fact that Scorich and Goomba had that little and large combination that you'd love to see that reminded me of like Peter Crouch and Jermaine Defoe. Um, they had plenty of chances. And, and a big shout out to Cherno Barr who put in a stellar performance and got that assist at the end. And he did it in the month of Ramadan where the last bit of food that he had, food or water that he had was at, was at a sun, sunrise or sunset, sunrise, um, just before sunrise at 5 a.m. So terrific performance from him as well. Yeah, well, we got interviews with uh, Jesse uh, Lazaro, Friday Zico and Thomas Southgate. They're up on the socials. You can check those out on our Facebook page. Um, also uh, on the podcast uh, feed, if you are following and subscribing, which Nico Hoyle was not, um, before we taught him how to um, to use modern day technology. Uh, uh, so if you're not getting the fi- uh, the final whistle when it comes through, uh, make sure you're hitting follow. If you're on Spotify, go to the Perth Football Podcast page, hit that follow and it'll tell you any time we release it. We're trying to release a bit of immediate after game action to be heard the next day. It's a little bit less structured than this um, unstructured mess that is the main podcast, um, but we'd love you to tune in to them. And get it while it's free too. Absolutely. Kalichi's be- bugging me to put that behind a Patreon on wall but um, I assure you that uh, that when that happens it will be reasonably priced and we just want a coffee um, coffee yeah for, for, for per month I reckon something like that um, not one of Kalichi's coffees because he gets a $6.50 long mac topped up with oat milk long mac topped up with where do you go and get milk. your coffee what? I work in the city mate I'm sorry but what's what's with the long mac topped up, Nick? It's That's probably more the concern. Okay, so a long mac topped up. Is I, I didn't. I didn't is really a double shot flat white. I didn't really want for it. For some strange reason, Perth call it different stuff here. So I, I don't know what you want me to say. Well, what, what's an your, extra strong flat white? What's your coffee? I'm a latte for me. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm, yeah. I'm with you. I'll, I'll have it's a nice, nice and simple latte or a cappuccino if I'm feeling a bit naughty. Uh, Tommy, what what do you do for your coffees? Long black, dash of milk, take the edge off. <laughs> <laughs> what a weirdo. Okay, so uh, we did talk about Olympic Kingsway, uh, Neil Florid, Athena 2 on the final whistle. So well, we will give you a little, a quick recap of that. We had um, uh, a, a slightly perhaps disjointed um, Kingsway, but they were up against a very well-oiled machine, weren't they, Tommy? They were. Uh, Florian sort of got back to their roots um, at the weekend, I thought, um, after obviously conceding those three second-half goals to Inglewood the week prior. Um, I thought it was a very disciplined and, and well-organised performance. I thought Kingsway had a lot of the ball. Um, they certainly had their moments in the second half and had some good chances, most notably sort of through um, Liam Murray. But I, I just felt throughout the game that Florit were able to kind of keep them at arm's length. Um, and that's not necessarily a slate on um, on Kingsway's performance because I think they've shown in the first two weeks, even though they've lost and in the night series, that they're going to be um, very competitive and, and very strong at this level. Yeah. Um, but they just ran into a savvier team at the weekend and and with match winners such as Brown Montgomery and, and Shamaki in the team and McManus as well with his pace, um, you've got to be on it for 90 minutes and, and that's what Florida were able to do. They were able to take their chances when they mattered most and, and take this thing out of the game 
at the moments when required. I, I, yeah, I'm not too worried about um, Kingsway. I think they're, uh, they've played well two of the top four teams from last, last year and they were very competitive against Sterling and yeah, it did feel a little like the uh, the occasion was getting the better of them, their big home opener under the new lights in, in the first half, but they really impressed last 20 minutes. And as you said, Leah Murray probably should have scored. Uh, I think um, they had a header at the back post where Walsh probably could have scored. It's kind of hard to tell the angles from, from up in the stands there, but it was a great night. You said the food was fantastic, you and uh, Josh. And, and as I said, if you want to hear mm. us talking uh, after a couple of beers about that one, uh, that's on the final whistle. Um, Kalisha, do you have a, think something to mention before we move on? I did want to say um, I love the fact that they that teams – I love the fact that really good teams can manage a game. And by manage a game, we literally mean nothing happens. And it's it's so yep. good seeing teams who can just go, for the next 25 minutes, nothing happens. And, so and, this if, something, is what and if something happens, we score. What kind of love sadist it. loves it? This is the this is the man who grew up with the Rafa Benitez. One <laughs> nil is plenty, <laughs> He guys. just loves a one nil is plenty game. And, and he, even more than watching a game of football that uh, that ends one nil to, to Liverpool or to whatever team he's supporting is uh, when he plays FIFA. And uh, he gets to play FIFA against you and score a goal and then just make it the most miserable, uh, thankfully, only 10 minutes in a game of FIFA of your life. And he just hates joy, hates fun, don't you? He's an anti-football man, isn't yeah, he? he is <laughs> says, says the man who's wishing juju and voodoo dolls off. Oh, thank you. Good. Okay, good. You're not, you're not taking aim at me. Good. Um, the, the only one we really haven't covered too much anywhere is uh, the Perth Red Star 1, Sterling Macedonia 2. Uh, this did get a, a fair bit of uh, action on the social media, and I just want to clarify, Kalichi, how our tips work uh, when we're putting these tips in, because the Perth Football Podcast uh, was, was on the receiving end of a bit of a barrage from Sterling Macedonia, and, and we, I, I welcome it. Bring it on. The more, the more clicks and comments we get, the better. And if you think we've said something absolutely stupid, send us a message, jump on the phone line, or just spam us on Facebook. But what, what, just explain what happened there, Kalichi, because I want it known that I tipped Sterling Macedonia to win that game. So every week I send the, I send the team uh, the fixtures and get them to tell me what they think the scores will be. And so once I get all the scores, I get the average and go, okay, so we've all tipped. And that means three people may have tipped Armadale or three people may have tipped Balcato. Yeah, it's a democracy. Yeah. And majority so then rules. I go, majority rules. And so sometimes... You know, we had one game where it was going to be a draw, but that was because two people had picked to win, two people picked a draw, two people picked the loss, and then the third person who was a tiebreaker picked the draw. The draw. So that's 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 how it happened. So, for example, Sean's tips, we got for 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 the team, we got two out of eight. We had two out of ten scores correct, right? So absolute garbage. Two that's out of twenty percent. That's a train right? smash. That's terrible. That's, it's hot garbage. And from the men's league, we had zero. Mm. Zero out of six, right? Collectively. Collectively. Whereas Sean picked Armadale, picked Coburn. Ding, ding, ding. Picked Sterling. Well, hang on. Armadale wasn't the win, but. Inglewood. Oh, you're going uh, through all Sorrento of Sorrento and Athena. So he got 50%. So you always let me really let me down as yeah, well. Yeah, no. Let us all down, really, in the end. But <laughs> but yeah, so, so the Perth Red Star, Sterling Macedonia of uh, tipping was a perfect example of where democracy has once again failed. Yes, and that's why we need to have a totalitarian rule by Sean Fry. Because by Sean Stradamus. He's Sean Stradamus at the yeah, moment. Let, let Sean Stradamus rule the world. Uh, Tommy, we've only got a couple of minutes left uh, in this podcast. It's been a lot of fun, but did what you did the wrap-up. The Tell us a bit about that Red Star Macedonia game. 
Yeah, I thought it was a, a pretty good game of football. I think both teams um, certainly showed why they're... They've shown really in the first two weeks why I think they're going to be right up there challenging. I don't think that's anybody's um, real surprise. Daryl Nickel was obviously um, in amongst the goals again. And um, yeah, but just Sterling were able to... Um, Not have for long if Nico has his way. <laughs> yeah, and uh, with any... I'll make a mention of that Kinkley Eschen goal. Yeah, I was, yes, yeah. I was going to say any standout like performances because we had a standout goal. If Yeah, if you haven't seen that, it's up on the Football West uh, Twitter feed. Uh, Kalichi popped it up on the Perth Football Podcast page as well. Uh, just an absolute stunner. And the way it comes in off the post, uh, Kalichi described it as Drogba-esque. And if you get a chance to go and see it, you'll see why. Uh, the other game we haven't touched on yet, and apologies to Perth Glory and Armadale. Uh, I don't think any of us have managed to get out and see any of uh, the games from either of those two teams yet this year. But... Obviously, we will be getting around the grounds. We'll be seeing everybody. But it looked like a lot of chaos and a lot of fun. It ended Perth Glory 4, Armadale 3. Uh, and it was, yeah, it looked up and down. We were getting score alerts coming in. There was a fourth that came in for Armadale that then got shelked off. I don't oh, know whether that was anything that actually happened. Offside or... goal, apparently. Ah, it was an offside yeah. goal. Okay, so, um, qu- uh, yeah, quick 30 seconds on that one, Tommy. And then we'll say a uh, quick, how's your father? Uh, quick shout-out for uh, Corey Sutherland. Uh, he got a couple of goals. He's got three and two to start the season. Got the winner against Falcata last week as well. Um, that was a really nice solo goal, that first one. Where um, he's twisting and turning uh, the defenders in knots. Yep, uh, not really good. Um, and, and this is sort of their crop of, of ma- the majority of their players are under 20s from last year, as well as a few others. Um, they've brought across likes of Julian Kelly and, and Lart Matiang. So... Um, yeah, they're shaping up to be pretty exciting. I'm sure they've got um, they've got some firmer tests to come in in the weeks ahead. And um, as for Armadale, you know they've sort of come out on the end of a, on the wrong end of a um, a seven goal thriller this week. But they're going to be the big entertainers this year. You can just sense it, can't you? They've all got already got nine goals in their first um, two games. So yeah, I think we need to get out to Armadale soon. I think that's the moral of the story. Absolutely. Unfortunately, I was hoping to be there this week, but uh, I will be up at, well, not unfortunately, because I've got a better place to be. So I say John. really? For... Oh God, I'm going wow. to piss someone off uh, one way or the other. I've got, <laughs> I've got John O'Reilly listening in, sharpening his knives. I've got Nico with his voodoo <laughs> doll standing next to me. Um, but I do have the pleasure of being up and uh, I think you'll be, I think I was going to say, I think you'll be up with me as well at the opening of the John Hughes uh, stand up at uh, Sorrento and yeah, that should be a great day and really looking forward to that. And then I'm off to see the Smith Street Band afterwards and uh, get a little hotel down in Frio. So that's going to be a big night. Um, so, uh, yeah, really looking forward to that. Tell us about it. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been months and months and months. Oh, you don't want to hear about me going to... The Smith Street Band? I, I say, sorry. We no, can, you take uh, it away, Nick. No, we, can, we can certainly do that. But um, about the No, it's, it's, been, it's been months and months in the making. Um, the, finally... Uh, we can open the John Hughes Pavilion. Um, obviously, John has been a massive supporter of our club for years, um, so it's fitting that we we name this pavilion after him. Um, so yeah, that, that's there's a stand that goes in, um, and, and our pitch is looking great as well. So we've invited all, pretty much the whole football club down. Um, the city of Junlamp, there's a few VIPs coming down. So Bouncy Castles, Fresh Paella, you name it, it'll be down at Percy Doyle. Oh, Paella, Paella, I love it. it. Any, any haggis and Tattoos? Hmm? Any haggis and tattoos? Whatever you want, oh, mate. Right. We'll, we'll Just... make sure we... Uh, <laughs> whatever you need. 
Okay. You obviously haven't heard of haggis and potatoes before. I don't want any of that. Uh, but but it's really exciting because you are hosting the, the Haitian national team. Mm. Um, and if any, anybody knows about Haiti, they're a small island in the Caribbean who have been through a lot since it's been founded. Um, they've had a, a, a few bunch of hurricanes that have come through, and they've had to do a lot of work to establish themselves as a nation. So to, so to see them playing in the Women's World Cup is going to be awesome. And I know I'm going to try to get up there as many times as I can to see them. So what's that going to be like, especially for that community to, to see professional footballers and women um, out in the community using your ground as well? Yeah, absolutely massive. I mean, you've got um, a World Cup team using Percy Doyle. I don't think it's fully sunk in yet. Um, but for all of our young girls to see, you know, that, that, mm. that you know, you've got world-class footballers um, playing on a world-class Percy Doyle, um, it's, it'd be, it, it's great to see. So yeah. And we love that, and it's only going to inspire the younger generation and the, and the women's game. We've already seen what it's done having the likes of Sam Kerr's and Beth Mead's now being household names and... Yeah, it's, uh, it's a very exciting future. Um, unfortunately, there is no future for this podcast <laughs> episode. The podcast will carry on. This episode's done. So we are going to say goodbye, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget to pinch the balls. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> say bye, Nika. Farewell. Farewell. Arrivederci. Arrivederci.